Hi everyone, my name is Michaela. I'm the hostess of the local sex shop podcast and this is part two of my conversation with Momo. In this episode we're going to be focusing on race and kink and also Momo's Nigerian background and gender expectations. Okay, now we think I would like to move away from the celebrities for a bit. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, and I wanted to go to a slightly different topic. Uh, so, uh, you have told me that you are a kinky person. I would, uh, I would say I'm a little bit of a kinkster myself. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. Mm. <laughs> And so I wanted to ask you, like, um, in BDSM, uh, there's this term that's called um, vetting. Um, and this is basically when you start meeting other people and you're trying to see if they are a good fit for you to be your play partners. And I wanted to ask you if, as a, as a black person, do you feel that your vetting process has to be a bit different when you're meeting or talking to new people. Definitely. Um, specifically uh, for uh, my blackness, specifically for myself, yes, because um, I do not like when my race is brought into the conversation. Um, as soon as someone says, yes, my black domina, or yes, my black goddess, absolutely not. I don't want my blackness to be a center of the play, the scene, if you will. Uh, I want to enjoy it because I want to. But for some reason, some people think that I like my skin being the center of attention. And sometimes it just makes me feel like I'm very uncomfortable thinking about it. And I want to be referred to as like other titles. So I specifically, when... I'd have my vetting process, usually always sit down and talk. And I say, like, listen, if we're going to do a scene together, please do not bring up my race. I don't want anything mentioned about that. I don't want this other rink to come into play because, you know, I already experience othering in my daily life. But in this scene, I just want to just to play. I want to have fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be reminded of were different you know i would i want to be in that sense equal and equal in the bedroom space although maybe not because you know i'm dominated <laughs> but you you get my idea <laughs> yeah it's when you really don't use color <laughs> yeah and i was like that's it it's gone out of one. <laughs> we're not seeing color here today it's dumb and something <laughs> Okay, so speaking of uh, of that, of like focusing on the color, I I know that there are people in the BDSM realm that actually focus on the color, on their skin color, if it's different, if they're black. And I have also seen it used from professional uh, dominatrices. Um, so using their identity as, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black dominatrix, 
and you know you are being dominated by a black woman. So what do you think when that happens? Oh, <laughs> this is spicy. <laughs> Not as in kinky spicy, but this is very spicy. Oh, um, I guess it comes down to it becoming like some form of gimmick as well, and also kind of plays into this whole like people who don't really interact with like black people on a daily basis, and that now they come into the bedroom space, they can experience it they can have like their own little fantasy if you will played out as well so it also kind of like feeds into this almost stereotype of the sex the jezebel if you the the jezebel so i <laughs> i personally am not a fan of it i i feel like it really kind of doesn't help the the breakdown of you know, racism as well. I feel like that also kind of plays feeds into constant stereotypes of how we're seen and that, you know, people when they go home and when they leave the scene, the scene ends, you don't know they're gonna go back home and they're gonna start saying slurs to like black women or black people in general, but then come behind closed doors and then exactly let that go off. So uh <laughs> i'm i'm a little i'm i'm not a fan of it i i can see people playing into it for money for profit and everything like that but like to use your identity as a form of profit oops the marxism is slipping out right now <laughs> um to use your identity as a form of like currency also can have its drawbacks as well it can also play into people's like perceptions of how they view blackness, view blackness as a form of like a gimmick or some kind of way to uh, see other black people outside of kinky space. Because again, you don't know what's going on in that person's head. You don't know if going to that black space, going to a black dominatrix, you know, they start to have all kinds of questions as well. I think I remember there was one black dom who kind of, uh, I forgot their name, but I remember they, what they used to do is they used to make people read like anti-racism literature, <laughs> which I mean, that's good work. <laughs> that's actually, to be fair, I was like, there is some dominatrix to black doms who kind of know what they're doing. <laughs> So that's a very interesting assignment because it really takes a lot of effort from the other person to actually go and do it. I mean, that could be a good way, like bring out some food. <laughs> Let me show you some history. Uh, you know, bring out like Angela Davis's woman club. <laughs> Angela Davis book to like read or something, maybe. <laughs> so I, I think it varies person to person also what they do as well like some of them can use that as a form of like anti-racism activism as well but some of them can also use it for like just profit and just for gimmicks so yeah i i would say somewhat neutral but not also pro as well what if it's used in a personal context what if there's no like money money motive behind it but it's just someone who does it in their personal life and still you know focuses on that it can come down to the person and how they feel as well and you know the the takes um how they can embrace the thing because sometimes it can be a lot and it you know kink is very it can be heavy on the soul <laughs> and mm. it can be quite heavy so depending on how someone does it maybe 
it could be a confidence boost but sometimes it could also be a little bit of demotivator as well if they go outside of the space as well or in the space because again you're meeting all kink with kink there's different kinds of people you're gonna meet and you don't know what goes up in the head someone could be a racist someone could be god forbid a fascist as well and again it just comes down to who you are as a person how much you can take can you differentiate it between kink and the reality as well Yeah, that's true. And that's probably why the vetting process, like for you, would be so important. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. I wanted to mention another thing that I've seen in the like BDSM King uh, territory. Um, so there's this concept of reparations for slavery, basically, which, well, outside of King, but like just in life, from countries that had enslaved um, Africans. And the idea is that the the countries that were responsible for for enslaving people and creating, you know, circumstances for them that have lasting effects, that they try to give some reparations, essentially some 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 assistance, um, like acknowledging like maybe it's just acknowledging or apologizing for for the impact that those nations had or honoring the the people who were who were enslaved or lastly and the one that's connected to king uh be giving financial reparations so um basically giving to black people money uh, and acknowledging that you know This has affected the financial circumstance of generations of people, so as descendants of enslaved people receiving that. And I have seen that also being used in a kinky context. So either from um, the black doming perspective of we deserve financial reparations, so like a kind of a money king, so like pay us up. Or even from the other side, mostly I've seen it from white men, if I'm being honest, like, uh, (laughs) yeah, like take my money queen. Uh, Here are some reparations for you from uh, a white boy, like we are inferior. Um, Yeah, we're like the inferior whites and we have to to pay you. Thoughts? Oh, um, <laughs> may I speak? <laughs> you may. <laughs> okay, so reparations are a very, you know, controversial topic. But in the kink context, I personally think it's very bad. It's still an ongoing topic. Um, a lot of countries, for example, in the Caribbean uh, are still demanding for reparations. People in the US are also demanding for reparations Um in the reparations as well. Um, some parts of Africa as well also demanding reparations or still are suffering from the effects of colonialism today. And to use it in a kink in an individualistic way um, and you, as again, coming back to this idea of weaponizing your identity for currency kind of detracts away from that, kind of takes away from the heaviness of reparations reparations 
it's about acknowledging, you know, deep, dark history that Western colonial nations have done. Well, I wouldn't say just Western colonial, but colonial nations, if you will, have inputted and have benefited still to this very day. And for someone individualistically to use that kind of just feels very terrible. Like, it almost becomes a gimmick. It almost becomes like it's not taken seriously in a way. And to say, like, you know, we deserve our money and stuff, it was like, of course, everyone deserves to have a livable wage. Everyone deserves to be, you know, treated with respect. But you're taking money from someone who has no understanding of reparations or doesn't probably doesn't even care about them so long as it satisfies them um, sexually as well so yeah it almost feels like we're dealing with someone we're dealing with a a very very dark problem and using that just feels very doesn't feel very great no I, I really understand what you're saying and I was really curious uh, about what you would say because I know for a fact there's there, there's a, a black uh, dominant woman who's like a professional and she also like talks about that and like sometimes she shares on her Instagram like screenshots from men who who pay her and that's the kind of things they say and she also has like a a wallet that's like reparations theme that's like a, a like a black woman's hand receiving money so yeah i found it very very interesting to look at just like as a phenomenon like why like why is happening or like how how people think about it yeah it almost comes like this very well i'm gonna start using like political terms here so forgive me so it's almost like this very individualistic neoliberal way of viewing reparations almost like you have to serve it to me individually you are you as an individual are helping break the system instead of we collectively breaking the system together we trying to break down these like race relations and show solidarity against racism and against colonialism and against slavery and imperialism and obviously you know still to this very day like women from Uh, countries that were um, colonized and imperialized, you know, are still treated horribly, unfortunately, through sexual slavery as well. So I can feel that can sometimes really not help. Mm. But at the same time, it's a gimmick, if you was. It's turned into a little bit of a gimmick. Okay. It's a bit performative. Yes, it's quite performative. It doesn't really actually educate people about what reparations are or what do they mean to people who had come from colonized countries and the history as well. It's just essentially become like, give me your money, but you're also paying my reparations. There's also reparations. (laughs) (laughs) Two in one. Yeah, two in one. Moving away from that part, um, I would like to go a bit back to to your to your roots, and we talked about stereotypes and maybe expectations that you have uh, come across from people who are not black. So, knowing that your family has uh, like a Nigerian cultural background, 
I was wondering, what are some expectations on gender and relationships you you have seen coming from there? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope my family is not. Li- well, I hope my family will not listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the expectations. So oh god. There's this expectation that like boys are kind of pampered, especially by their mothers as well. So it's almost like they are kind of groomed into like this traditional like masculine role of being the provider, of being the father, if you will, or being the head of the household. And you as like born as a woman or a young girl that you are just supposed to wait for your husband to come and then get married and then, you know, prepare for the soft life if you will. And that your husband will take care of you. And the only thing you need to do is cook for him. Make sure that his clothes are ironed. Make sure that he's like well looked after. Because after all, he's providing for you. So those are the things that I remember hearing growing up. And also uh, there's this uh, concept called the, the, uh, like the husband that doesn't exist. But there will be like... You know, sometimes one of my family members would be like, oh, that's a nice dress you've got on. Supposing if your husband doesn't like it, the the, <laughs> the theoretical husband that doesn't like you. So they always kind of pick apart, like, the things that you like and make you happy to make sure that it suits your husband's taste and not for you. So it's almost like you're kind of groomed in this, this like, idea of, like, you're only made up to be attractive for your husband and only his needs and so on and so on because of you know this is what my grandma this is what my mother and so on other relatives used to hear growing up as a child that that they essentially formed themselves just to be essentially for their husbands their theoretical future husband is there something that's like similar but for the for the men because like that's a lot of things to to expect from a person to like have their whole existence, you know, uh, tailored to another person just because they are their husband. So does it also have something similar for men or is it like a kind of you, these are the things you have to do if you want a successful marriage as a woman? It's the things that you want, you have to do to have a successful marriage with your, for your husband and stuff. For the men, it's almost like, you're just you're waiting for your wife to come to you (laughs) (laughs) you just sit there and she comes (laughs) yeah like you know you just expect her to come cook for you your meal just suddenly miraculously appears on the table and you're like oh great nice like she's expected to cook all the foods that you like she's expected to do what you like and like what you like and it's almost like there's never this you know there's never this attractability because you like the person. It's just almost like you're up- upholding these like very patriarchal standards, even for men as well. So, I mean, there are some people, obviously, this is some Nigerian people are also breaking the stereotype as well. But still, that is still the things that you constantly always hear or you're reminded of or you see all the time. There's this expectation of the husband and stuff and... Well, speaking from my background, uh, so my mother is, um, on my mother's side, uh, she came from a polygamous family as well. 
And that was also like for men in those societies and still to say if you are a man from the upper class or the men from the upper middle class, there is expectation that you are going to have multiple wives. Mm. Uh, and this is regardless of what religion you are. You can be Christian or Muslim. There is still that expectation that you're going to have a multiple wives or multiple children because, you know, the more <laughs> the more children you have, the more seed, <laughs> the more your generations can last for long. Oh, that's very interesting that you said that it's like, no matter your religion, because I would expect that like if you're Muslim, for example, because I know being Muslim allows that, but Christianity, as far as I know, doesn't like you aren't you supposed to have only one, one uh, wife? Yeah. Um, in Nigeria, not re- yeah, <laughs> yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, legally, you are supposed to be married. Um, to you, you are you know the law does allow you know for a legal wife, if you will, but still you're allowed to have multiple wives at the same time but sometimes people have like a traditional marriage which kind of so it's kind of unofficial in terms of government papers then unofficial in government papers but yes yeah but in reality yeah okay that's very interesting because i'm thinking like how do you navigate that if you like if there's three wives for example but you're only married to one of them she gets like if you die she gets everything and her children like but what happens to if you have like children with other wives and your other wives there if they leave um so specifically um if they leave for example they don't get anything okay but like what if they don't leave does the does the law still cover them or does everything like your financial it all goes to the legal wife oh okay so the other wives just have to tolerate that they're getting nothing (laughs) Patriarchal uh, oh. polyamory. <laughs> That's patriarchal polyamory for you. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy because... Oh, wow. Because that's giving you a lot of insecurity because also if you, you're saying that your husband is upper class or upper middle class, that means that most likely you really count on him financially. Yeah, you are, do. Are they allowed to work? Some of them do work. But most of them are very much more dependent on him, the husband, because he will provide everything and he'll give you the stars, the moon, the ocean, if you will. (laughs) Okay, okay. But the moment he's no longer there, the legal wife gets everything and you're just there with children and you have to take care of everyone. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I learned something new today. Yeah. (laughs) That's, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. That means, so it must be very stressful. Like you can't really break up with those men then. Oh, if you do, there's stigma, basically. There will be a lot of stigma on you as the wife. Uh, Well, one of the wives, if you will, if you decide to end the marriage. He'll be fine, but everyone will think... It's you that was the problem. What if he... Well, does cheating exist in that context? Like, w- Because I'm thinking, like, what if he cheats? Aren't you then a bit justified by society if you, if you leave that kind of man? No, you just... For that, sometimes you just have to tolerate it. You just have to accept it. It's like, well, you know, you could have just tried harder to, to win him over or something. And maybe that's why he went after another younger woman. 
I'm so sorry. This is like kind of really. This is kind of sad, though. Yeah, it's really blowing my mind because I was thinking, like, give that woman a break. If if she's being cheated on and he has another three wives, and you know she's completely financially dependent on him, like, give her give her some slack, you know? Yeah, it's the same thing I always think about. I was like, give her some, give her a break. Let her cook. <laughs> <laughs> Let him cook. Let yeah. Cooking, cooking, really. <laughs> no. We're against violence. Sorry, sorry, no violence. <laughs> okay, so oh wow! After blowing my mind with all of these facts today, uh, I think we can wrap up so I can digest the information. <laughs> um, so, do you have any recommendations for us today? Like, um, it could be anything, like movie, book, podcast, anything related to the topic. Oh, <laughs> mm, I would recommend. Uh, okay, so because I'm a little bit biased here, but um, if there's anything I would recommend, maybe book by Angela Davis. Um, <laughs> women, race, and class. Yes, women, race, and class. It's a nice read up as well um, about the ways that like um, race, uh, class, and gender also kind of intersect together, and it's a little bit more of a radical read. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not giving you soft core. <laughs> I mean, no, no. Um, <laughs> the whip comes. <laughs> <laughs> the whip comes out. Radical. <laughs> I think your assignment. That's reading your it. assignment. Today. Yeah. Um, those are those are probably one of the the books I can recommend. Uh, right now on the top of my head, but <laughs> probably if you do uh, look around, I'm sure you might find some other things. I would not recommend anything to do with Robin D'Angelo, White Fragility. Don't read that book, please. I beg of you. <laughs> okay, why? <laughs> Awful politics. It doesn't really teach you anything. It's kind of very not very good i i let's not get it's, it's a bit of a tangent just just need hood yeah need hood okay yeah. don't don't even think about it but yeah any angela davis uh women racing class is a very good book that i would recommend uh to understand about like you know black women's politics as well um if i can recommend anyone else oh uh a youtuber called cat black uh she's a black trans Ooh. woman who's also kinky oh yeah so she also kind of has very good stuff about like politics and uh she also does talk about more from a um obviously being a trans woman black trans woman her perspective yeah. is also very interesting so i really do recommend her as well yeah. as to read i really really like her and she's also kinky yeah and she's kinky too yeah and she also actually also has um, a video about um, like the stereotypes that we talked about before, like big black cock uh, and stuff like that about like black people. And she has, uh, I think, one or two videos about that. And yeah, 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 yeah. They're really good. Yeah, so I would really recommend her as well um, as a great insight into like also racial fetishization as well. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, loved the discussion. It was, it was not a discussion that I love to have, but I'm glad that I had it. That's 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 the way I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to phrase it. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you a lot. Uh, I would also like to thank Anna, who is editing the podcast, and she spends a lot of time listening to us speaking. 
And also thank you for listening to the episode. And yeah, we will be back next month.